This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this first episode of the year, we're going to reflect on parks and their roles for the people living in the city. Our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joins us for this first episode of the new year to look at parks. Most city dwellers see parks as the place for them to escape the imposing presence of concrete and steel in the city. But how do we go about developing parks for the people? Here's Elizabeth to reflect on that question. Happy New Year. It's nice to be back. Um, but I, I suppose if you're thinking about if you go back I oh yeah, but even to the 1960s, 1970s, okay, if you talk about a natural setting of it, where do you want to go if you want to have a picnic, you know, uh, within the sort of the Greater Klang Valley, you know, Templar Park. Do you know Templar Park? <laughs> People don't think about Templar Park anymore, but Templar Park was, you know, um, on the edge of the city, you know, it was, you kind of had to go, it was a bit jaula, you know, uh, but, uh, so you had to travel to Templar Park, but, you know, it was used by everybody um, for picnic to, you know, swimming in the river, to camping, you know, the scouts and guides used it all the time, jamborees were held there. And it was large in, in, in that sense. I mean, it was, you know, a natural environment. Um, and But nowadays, we kind of don't think about it anymore, do we? You know, we, we kind of... Um, I don't know, is it still called Templar Park? But, you know, that whole area has been developed and there has been new buildings, new housing. So how that was that was one of the parks, if you want to say that, you know, we would have thought about another one we would have thought about. Of course, it's naturally the Lake Gardens. Uh, and that would have been very much um, on the edge of the city, but in the centre of the city still. And it would have just been open space and there was a lake and there was a pangong anniversary. There was, a, you know, an amphitheatre there that you had concerts at and you know, there was an open space. And you could picnic and you could run around and you could have basically clean, green, fresh space that you shared with birds and animals and ants, you know, if you were having a picnic, right? And uh, then you would think about, I suppose, what else would we have thought about? Bukit Nanas, certainly, um, because it was, and it still is, a forest reserve. But the at that time, it, you know, the, the idea of the KL Tower, of the encroachment, I think, that the development has had on into uh, this natural original primary rainforest, you know, all of that's kind of been um, eroded, I, I would say, um, by the development on the edges around it. So it used to be you had uh, some schools there and then you had this forest reserve on this rise, this hill. Um, and so people would go and walk in Bukit Nanas through trails through Bukit Nanas. And in a sense, it was then a park, you know. And now we can think about Frim. Frim was always there. Um, and as a forest reserve, uh, it is a secondary forest. It's, it's not 
in natural, but it's been there now, what, 80, 100 years at least, you know? So a long time. And to be developed, as you say, but uh, having, uh, it's a research institute as well. So you are looking at plant species, trying to understand them. But within that setting, you have a padang and you have uh, areas, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, ponds and you have areas within which the public could interact. And, and these, these are large, these are large, large areas, you know, hectares and hectares of land. Um, Titiwangsa Park was always there as well. It's just an open area. Now it's been, as you say, developed into something which is, in a sense, more formalized, where you have, you know, you have structures that are built around it, um, uh, areas for car parks so that people can go and and park their cars and then go jogging. And it's been, it's been the setting, you know, has been more formalized, I suppose. So, so there were a lot of these places um, in KL that had this element of what we would call a park. But then you also had, um, within every neighborhood, traditional neighborhood, from PJ to KL, little, I don't call them pocket parks, but in a sense, they were, you know, where there were playgrounds or there was a field, a padang. So even in brickfields, there was a padang. And if you read about it and you talk to people who grew up in brickfields, in the, even through to the 1980s and 1990s, this idea of being able to play football on a padang, which was an open public space uh, where you didn't have to book and you didn't have to go into a gated area, you know, or you didn't have to pay an entrance fee to, but it was available uh, for the public to use. And all these neighborhoods had these little green spaces which were available and were very democratic in that sense because they were there for all to use. So whoever from the neighborhood wanted to use it could use it. You had um, fields, which were not parks, but they were for recreation. In, in PJ, you had the Astaka field, for example. These were all places that you could... It wasn't just for parades. It was actually used as a sports field. And although it was managed by the Royal Slango Club, no doubt, uh, there were a lot of activities that were going on there, which were healthy, recreational, sports, and the public could watch because you would stand around and watch the activities. So while the club managed the place, um, the activities that were on, the sports activities that were on, were things which were open to the public and in a way for public spectacle. So I think that, that, that we kind of have to make that kind of a distinction. But as housing estates developed, as people became more sophisticated or, or wanted to have more exclusivity, you then have these other kinds of parks that you know, uh, came up around uh, new development communities. And KLCC Park, in a sense although it is not exclusive, it is completely open to the general public, um, but very much controlled and managed by uh, KLCC. So in the last 
over 20 years it's been there and it's very well established and the plants have grown and the vegetation has grown and people are very familiar with it and it's very in a sense you know reasonably family orientated um is is there for jogging and these are the kinds of facilities so you have places like that that grew up tamantun has you know two parks um you know kapong has the metropolitan park so you have all of these areas which are developed and planned, as you said, yeah, as part of the development that enhances the value of the development to give these spaces. And for what? It's for recreation, it's for health, it's for well-being. It is a spaces that you hope, you know, communities, different kinds of communities, different people from different walks of life can get together in. Interact or not interacting depends on how you want to choose to look at it. You know, I go for a walk, I see you. Every day I see the same person, I say hello, right? And so it becomes sort of part of a neighborhood and a neighborly thing uh, to do. And I think that that's kind of how things have moved uh, away from the Templar Park kind of scene where, you know, families, because there were fewer of those, but they were very large spaces. Um that, so the response, I think, to the way in which we see parks nowadays or, or we use parks nowadays, we, we want them to have facilities, food and beverage, toilets, you know, activities that we can entertain and, 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 and people or we can, you know, use public facilities, restaurants where we can rest, a jogging path which we can use, you know, with, with uh, equipment, let's say, you know, uh, which you can use. Whereas in a place like Templar Park, it was very much like the natural environment. You just went in. Uh, Lake Gantz was like that as well. I mean, you just went in and you you followed. I mean, there were routes to be followed. There were roads. Uh, and through the Lake Gardens previously, uh, that, that, there was a, a road that went through it. Uh, Jan Damansara went through it and, and you ended up, um, you know, coming out into the city and you would cut through um, areas which were green, but because the roads meandered and, and, and were quite windy in that sense and narrow, um, traffic was slow. It wasn't at the pace that we see. So nowadays we see a park, what do we think? We go, we must find a parking area, we park our cars, Right? Um, or your, our motorbikes or whatever it is, uh, or we take public transport and then we have to jalan jauh, right, to get to the start point and then we enter. And then we do some much more formalised, I think, activity. So the organic kind of nature, more casual kind of nature. I mean, Hanif, tell me, you know, when was the last time you went on a picnic in the park? You know? <laughs> um, I'd... <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. Time, yeah, right? it's been a while. Time, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's not something that that uh, I think a lot of people think about. You know, I mean, it used to be, you know, oh, let's go to the waterfall, let's go to Bentong, let's go to the waterfall, let's let's, uh, you know, um, do we can do some canoeing maybe, you know, on something, a boating on the river or something like that. But but on the whole, the activities in these places are free which is great because it means that just anybody, it's, it's not exclusive. Um, and I think 
it's great when there are facilities like toilets and, and, and a kiosk where you can buy water or whatever, you know, have enough, I suppose, garbage bins so that you don't have litter around the place. And I think that one of the things that we don't quite do, though, is educate the park users necessarily to, to look after the place because, you know, somebody else is going to do the maintenance. But there are groups, you know, if you think about Bukit Gassing, for example, people who walk up trails. Uh, if you think about, uh, you know, Bukit Chereka Park or you think about the park in, in you know, in, in PJ, these are community parks and community gardens where, where members of the community come out passionately want to, not to protect, but to... To, to make sure that, you know, the place is, is clean and safe and um, that everybody can come in and enjoy them. So I think that that's kind of, you know, quite a nice thing. And KL has a lot of it. We don't think about it, but actually KL has a lot of it. Right now, you know, we can talk about the Tamantuku Park. We can talk about, you know, next door to the Lake Gardens. It's all part of the same original development in terms of the city but right in the city center you have klcc park you have the titiwangsa park and then on the edges of the city outside you have sometimes private and sometimes less so um you know but you have a lot of open green open spaces where Mm. activities can take place and I think now more so, uh, there are these um, community gardens that have come up where people do farming, urban farming, where communities come together to do something collectively, which, um, you know, they to participate in a way um, and to interact with others and, and to do something which maybe, you know, you don't have your own garden setting, you know, to grow your own vegetables and you want to just contribute, you know, and do something a little bit different or what is, you know, which is healthy behavior and and, and having a mindset of that kind. And I think that those are the kinds of things that are great about parks. That was our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardoza, talking about parks and their roles in our lives. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin. We're kicking off the year by reflecting on parks and the roles that they play for city dwellers. Our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, joins us this week to share her thoughts on the many different parks that we have here and the different roles that they play not only for our benefits, but also the city itself. Here she is explaining the role of the park in Taman Jaya. And then there is Taman Jaya in PJ. Now, Taman Jaya in PJ is a park. You know, it has a lake in the middle. But if you look closely at the origins of Tamanjaya, of the park and of that lake, the lake is actually um, there uh, as an overflow. Uh, It was there for water retention. And when there were heavy, heavy rains, because of the drains and the drainage in in the place, and, you know, in in a city where 
and as you develop more and more and you lose some of your your you know your your earth uh, your ground and you have only concrete or you have um, um, surfaces which are not porous yeah uh, for the rainwater to to get absorbed into um so this the tamanjaya when they built pj uh was there as uh, it really is um a flood mitigation facility that people don't really know about or think about or but that was what it was there for originally to take excess water in the times when when there was heavy rain um and you needed to to you know absorb not absorb but for the water to flow into so that the areas around that wouldn't flood so i think that that there are these places as well in kl which are ponds you know uh, of the tamanjaya nature and then there are these other places uh, which used to be remember kl very much or this whole area was a mining land right and some of these parks or these mine or these mining um, pools have uh, become fishing ponds they have become uh, around which you have recreational activities or people can fish recreationally but you know you might have a jogging track around them you might have you know facilities around them and then you would have uh the the what has been built up into major theme parks right uh the desa water park i don't know whether it's still there or not i know you know but certainly sunway lagoon you know and and so you have these these other kinds of parks that are developed from features that link back to the history of of the place which i think again we don't think about generally speaking you know we don't think oh you know oh you know why is mines you know the mines development uh, well you know it was it used to be mining um and and so it's redeveloped into uh, housing and into hotels and into some kind of leisure or recreational facilities um but the feature is these mining pools right around which there is park so to speak open space green open space which uh you know sometimes very often are available to members of to the general public but some of them are more exclusive maybe you know so how do you democratize um these spaces or should they be do you need to pay entry uh if you want to go to a place sometimes you do you pay a few ringgit to enter frim because you it's for the maintenance of the place but it's not prohibitive you know i mean three ringgit is not a prohibitive sum and then you can buy an annual membership right you know that's the kind of thing with 10 ringgit you know it's so it becomes a place that you can support but at not and and then you own, you 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 it you can actually say um you know i'm part of it and in a sense you take ownership and i think that that to me is really quite important and when you're talking about your uncles he lived in taman and there was a park and you could walk to it it was like a playground a little padang where kids in the neighborhood got together and you played lah because because uh, you weren't in front of your computers and you weren't with your you know your i don't know playstations or your you know um 
Is do you all use Nintendo anymore? Yes, we do. That, we that's, do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know that that kind of thing. You know, or you can go and you know catch your Pokemon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in parks, and very often they they reside there, and um, so so you interact with your natural setting. It's like think about the number of times that you have walked around. If you are born and bred in a city, and this is that. Remove your shoes and walk on grass barefoot. Different, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I, I want to ask you something. Like, I mean, it's going to be a, something more contemplative. But I, I, you know, recently I was at a park near TTDI, and I find it quite interesting that apart from being a place together, parks are also a place for people actually to make ends meet in one way or another. You know, there are a lot of vendors and sellers also. I guess utilizing parks as a space for them to do business, right? And, and these are, I guess, one way or another organic um, growth of of how you know the space is utilized, right? Because it is one way or another a public space, and therefore you know different people have different perspective as to how they want to utilize it. Right? And and the best part is that is is an organic symbiotic relationship, right? You know, if people go there for recreational purposes or for for social purposes, you know, naturally the you know, business owners will also come and, you know, occupy the space as well, right? So, so it's, it's you know, one way or another, it, it is its own ecosystem in, in that sense, which I find yeah, quite interesting, that's, right? That's true. That's true. I think that, that when it works really well, it is when all these different parts, all these different stakeholders, all the different, different sides of the community, the park community, very wide park community, as you say, respect each other, you know? So if, you are a vendor and you, you know, I'm going there after my walk, I'm thirsty, I want to buy a drink from you, right? Um, if you provide me with, uh, you know, you, I, I buy the drink from you and, uh, and then do I just toss the, the, the cup mm-hmm. or do I have a place for me to recycle it? Or do I, you know, so how do you actually deepen, I think, the appreciation and the looking after, um, you know. So are there opportunities for these, for these different people and different stakeholders, different groups to to maybe, not saying it's not about governing, but it is about governing. It is about, it is about having agency to, to make your space clean and to not litter and to treat your environment and to respect your environment well as you would expect somebody else to respect your environment if it was your own house. So if everybody said, you know, felt about public space as they do take pride in public space, as they would take pride in their own backyard, so to speak, yeah, then we would have... Uh, places that are not vandalized and that they are cared for and that at least you don't, you know, chuck something away because you are saying, oh, well, you know, I don't care. Somebody else will clean it up. You know, it's like I sweep my front yard and then I take the dust that I have gathered or the dried leaves and I throw it outside. I mean, I don't bag it. I don't, you know... Uh, you know, wait for Alan Flora to come and collect it. I just, you know, chuck it in the drain uh, because that's somebody else's responsibility. Or do you bag it? Do you look after it? Do you make sure that you continue to take pride? Because you wouldn't want somebody to chuck 
their, you know, litter in your house, why should you be chucking your litter or litter that you have, you know, brought with you after your picnic or whatever it is, in just leave it around, you know? And I think that if we could have, I think we do need, I, I think Malaysians, the public does need to have a much better and more conscientious a civic consciousness, I think, to public space and place. We will have just that much, because we have the places, but, you know, um, there are communities who are more vigilant and rajin and caring and respectful, and then there are those who are not, you know, and say, it's okay lah, you know. The cleaner will come along, so, or DBKL will send, you know, their people along and 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 yeah, I mean interestingly I was just um, on on one uh, street in KL that they have plant not the planted they have put pots of orchids okay on the road divider you know in the, in the, the area between the two sides of the road and because it's a ceremonial street and it's a protocol road and you want to sort of you know make it beautiful and um so the pots and orchids were there. And then a week or so later, or two, one week or two weeks later, we went and the pots of orchids were there, but all the flowers were gone. And then a week later we went, we saw they had all been replaced because all the flowers are back. And, and I was thinking to myself, well, I wonder where all the flowers went because somebody didn't take the whole pot, but they went and they must have cut the orchids. I mean, there was no way that you would have gone through banks and banks and banks of of plants that didn't have a single stalk of flowers left, you know. And to me, that is just it befuddled. I mean, I was just a bit, you know, flabbergasted and thinking, gosh, I wonder who really actually would have gone out, taken the secretaries and cut these, or maybe they didn't, I don't know. But, you know, what is it about sometimes, you know, our lack of social civic-mindedness, I think, and, and understanding about and appreciating community, shared community space. And and um, I think that that is something that, you know, our... Because in traditional societies, I mean, you think about it in your kampong, right? You say you're a kampong boy. There were things that were just not done because they were infringing upon your neighbour's not not just image, it's just not done, you know. You don't you don't infringe into somebody else's uh, just because you have a different point of view or you have a different. No, it, it has to do with mutual respect. You want somebody to respect you, you respect them too, you know. And and I think that with parks, that's something we have to learn and continue to remember that it is because if you leave litter somebody's going to have to come and clean it up. So why don't you just take it away with you, you know, and put it in the proper receptacle, assuming there is a proper receptacle. And if there isn't, you just bring it home and then you put it into your own receptacle, you know. Uh, but but it is these kinds of things that I think that sometimes we undervalue or we don't think about or we neglect to think about. So, yeah, KL does have a lot of these spaces, um, but sometimes we just walk through them. We don't think about them. We don't think about how it's maintained. We don't think about the fact that, you know, 
we want to keep it clean. But if something were to happen to it, then we would kind of grumble and say, yeah, nobody's looking after it, lah, you know? Uh, well, I, and then I know people who, who, you know, go walking, for example, up a hill, and they take with them a little plastic bag because as they come across somebody's litter, water bottles or whatever, they just put it in there and then they carry it. And as they finish their walk, they then, you know, uh, deposit it in the garbage bin there. If not, they take it home and deposit it at home. Um, and that is the kind of... But I then question, well, why did somebody leave their water bottle? You see people, right, drive and then they toss something out the window. It's like, no need lah, you know. But that, that's the part that, that I always get puzzled about, you know. Mm. As a heritage conservationist, what's your outlook on our parks? Like, you know, is it something that is within your area of expertise, quote-unquote, or, or is it something that you don't focus on? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my work does not involve nature in that sense, yeah. except I would say that within the setting of what work I do. Uh, nature is very much part of it, so we don't look at... Uh, we do if it rains a lot. We have to take into consideration whether where, if we're building, if we're uh, renovating, if we're restoring a building, we have to take you know climate into consideration. We have to take people's needs into consideration um, and, and garden space. And, and so, if, you know, I think that, that um, to me, it's about it is about what surrounds us and how we use it. So um, we were restoring a mosque uh, a couple of years ago, and one of the problems uh, within that was the fact that there were bats that would you know, come through. They, they weren't actually living, they, they weren't actually nesting, but they would hang you know, in, in, at night, clearly, because there were bat droppings. So there, there were two things, right? One is kill them all, you know, uh, then you, you know, then you get rid of them, right? Kill them, poison them, you know, whatever. And I thought, well, it's mosque. We don't, we don't need to kill the animal. We don't because, but we do need to find a way to encourage the animal not to come because it is within the context of what it is of the mosque. You can't have the bad droppings, right? Uh, you do need to, so we need to kind of find a way to make, to, change the habit of the bat, let's say, right? And so what do we look at? We look at what are the trees around? Would there be something that would encourage the bats to go and hang on them? Or would we, that means to come and, and you know, if you have fruiting trees, for example, the bats will come, right? Um, if you, you know, so do you look at light? Do you look at how do you encourage or discourage behavior, certain patterns, um, and and give options, yeah, without killing. <laughs> so so in my work, yes, I do deal with nature, uh, but in this in this manner, you know. Mm. Uh, but certainly, you know, we ha- have to understand uh, that we cannot do without the green space. That if we are only ever going to have concrete and hard structures. I think, 
Yeah, we need something for our eyes to rest. We need to have, you know, our flowers and our trees and, and our lawns and our open spaces. And our, but we also need to make sure that they are appropriate for the place and our climate and our use a function. Because if we are going to, you know, bring in a tree that is not, that is a temperate tree that would never grow in the heat of our tropical climate or the wet of our monsoon or our rain, rainy season. Then, and we spend thousands of ringgit bringing, you know, planting a, a desert palm, for example, as opposed to a coconut tree. All right, we want to have palm, okay lah, plant coconut tree lah, right? Or do we bring in a date palm, you know, which which lives in a completely different climate or survives or, or thrives in a different climate? Um, so it is about appropriateness as well. Um, and, and that's something I think that, you know, people involved in landscape architecture, involved in the natural environment, are always, should be cognizant of, are cognizant of, and should be even more cognizant of. And I think the general public should also be cognizant of that. And um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, that there should be really less encroachment on on our parks and our open spaces, rarely, you know. I mean, as somebody once said to me about a shopping mall, do we need another shopping mall? And he said, well, like a hole in my head, you know. <laughs> But, but just, yeah, you know, it, it, this was within the Bukit Bintang area and we did a count within a one square mile area, a two square kilometer area. There were like at that time, and this was in the 1990s, maybe in the early 2000s, already at least 10 malls. Did you need another one? You know, mm. it, it's like, why? So, yeah, so let's have more green. And let's have more parks. And let's remember that our little neighborhood park is as much a park for the neighbor neighborhood, for the school kids. For the, and let's not vandalize our, you know, sorry to sound, I hope I don't sound moralistic, but it's true, you know. Let's just be respectful that other people, there are other users of it as well. You're not the only one. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and this week our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joined us to share her observations of parks in the city. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at pfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also get our podcast from Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital. City. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.